Now it's time for the Disney View podcast. Please move across your car to make room for everyone. Our podcast will begin momentarily. Join Dave as he makes his Grand Circle tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, but understands Disney's place in history and respects the legacy that's been left. Come along and hear Dave's thoughts about Walt Disney World and see it through Dave's eyes. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. And now, here's your host. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. On today's podcast, I brought a guest back with me. He's friend of the show, Gary Maselli. Gary, how are you doing today? Hello, David. Thanks for having me back. You bet. So today, we wanted to talk about Disney movies and some of our favorite Disney movies of all time. And I thought it'd be fun to kind of go through the history of the Disney company and its and the film studios and kind of talk about how different eras in Disney pictures kind of made different movies and had certain feels to them. Uh, we were talking for a couple minutes before the show about the, uh, the feel of the movies, and I, I think it'd be kind of fun to talk about these and some of our favorites along the way. So as we think back to uh, Walt Disney and his, and his start in the, in the Disney studio, one of the things he, was, he had in mind was to create you know, motion pictures that had meaning and feeling. So in the 1930s and into the early 1940s, he was creating these epic films primarily that were uh, animated films like Bambi and uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs that really told a story but told it in a very different way than most people had ever seen. These were animated films. And it was really interesting because they, they had a distinct feeling to them that really made them interesting. Uh, and then as the war rolled on, he moved out of the films for a while and went into the war, war business of actually creating films uh, for the war effort and things that were related to that. And he, the studio was used for you know, more propaganda type things. And that was, a, that was a good thing. And then by the 1950s, this is where the real era of Disney movies got started. So in the 1950s, you had these really interesting stories, these, these fun things that came up. Cinderella, Peter Pan... And one of my absolute favorites of all time, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, based on the Jules Verne novel. Uh, so the, the period of time there in the 1950s were, was a really interesting time because he was getting into these, these great movies. So do you have any favorites that you remember from that time or that you've watched oh, since that time? You know, the, like, like as you said, there's so many great movies. And um, they, they had this era from Fantasia to Bambi to Pinocchio. Like you said, all had the same loving feel. And... Walt Disney wasn't afraid to go to the extreme to show people and to um, to convey his message. And then they had, then you know, one of the best movies that came out in 1964 was Mary Poppins. Yes, yes, that you know that, and that was kind of the, that was that was really sort of the end for me of where the great Disney movies were. Right, that that's sort right. of the end point. The, right. the studio changed at that point. Um, Walt, yeah. you know, Walt died a few years later, and um, the, everything sort of changed. Yeah, and and. And I mean, think about it. Walt Disney was able to convey these stories that they still have meaning today, and people are still watching these movies, and these movies are still popular. I mean, I see Mary Poppins in the in like the you know the, the the store that says you know 50th anniversary and 60th anniversary, and people still love these movies. And I really think it goes to show how Walt Disney was able to convey these messages in a way that no one else has done before. No, you're right, and. You know, you, you look at the, the other movies that came out in the 60s and you, and you realize, you know, so there was The Jungle Book, which was also good right. was in production when he was still alive or had started production. 
and the parent trap that got some uh, some acclaim along the way. Yeah, I mean, it was something that was different, and it was you know really really spoke to a, a different style of movies there. Yeah, and and, and like moving moving to the sixties and seventies, <clears throat> moving to those eras, it, it had a very slapstick, very very silly, very funny thing that kids would enjoy, but also parents would enjoy and not take too seriously. Mm-hmm. And the parents really felt safe what when the kids watched the movies, which is something you know that's amazing. I mean, you look at you look at the the movies like Fantasia and Dumbo and Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, and then you're moving into kind of live action, kind of that funny feel, that yes. loving feel, which is only something Walt Disney could do. And and it goes to you know the test of time to see that all these movies are still selling. Oh, exactly. And, you know, it was interesting because as you got out of the, you know, you got out of the 1960s and headed into the 1970s, like you said, the movies were a little more silly in some ways. Yeah. So you had, you know, you had like Gus the Kicking Mule, the Herbie movies. Um, oh, yeah. The, uh, let's see what else was in there. Uh, the, oh, the Shaggy DA. That's another one I remember. Yep. The Apple Dumpling Gang, which is, at the time, I thought was one of the greatest films ever. And I saw it again about 10 years ago and I went, wow, I like this. It's <laughs> <laughs> just it's amazing, you know. My taste change, of course, too. But it's amazing yeah. how these the story really for the time it was it was terrific. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then and and then you move to like even when the Jungle Book came out before the seventies in nineteen sixty seven, it had a very very fun, very musical, not so serious kind of thing. And that's I think where they were starting to head is to getting away from the big drastic message of life to more silly, more fun, more humorous for the children. And like you said, the Herbie movie, even the Herbie movies were huge. Even even they still are. I mean, the, the last Herbie movie was, what, 10 years ago? Yeah, about that, yeah. I'm sure they're still going to make Herbie movies. I mean, the, the, there's something with the Disney property and the Disney the Disney stamp that, that stands the test of time with all these movies. Yeah, you know, you're right, because that, that's really, it comes down to, like, standing over time. You look at, you know, we mentioned these movies, and I, I would bet that most people that are listening to this podcast would recognize these movie names right away and go, oh, I remember seeing that. Yeah. Which, you know, you can't say about a lot of, a lot of other companies' movies in that time period, especially with the number of movies that we're talking about. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at it and you realize that not everybody had that, uh, had, you know, has that luxury of having that many movies that people remember. Yeah, yeah, and 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 like you said, I think that's that's such a great thing that like, like you name a movie from the '40s, like oh, did, have you seen you know Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein or something? But they say no. But then you say, have you have you seen you know you know Mary Poppins or the Shaggy DA? And people go, of course, I love that movie. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there was one one of my favorites that came out in the mid 1970s was the uh, was the Witch Mountain series you know yes just, yes it was so different it had such a different feel to it it was it wasn't the quite the fun loving thing that Disney did but it had a different richness to it where these yeah and and, and I and I think that that audience really appreciated where they were going and and the different the different you know I feel like in the 70s Walt Disney was exploring different ideas of what he can do and he, and um, and and it worked yeah, exactly. It it really did work. It you know it it sold it for the time. You know, think back. You know, it, it, for those of you who are a little bit younger, think back to a time before we had the internet, before we yeah. had TV that was on twenty four hours a day, before cable. You know, you're looking for something to do on a Saturday afternoon with the kids, and you're going to go see a movie. It's a it's a great option. And so Disney kept pumping out movies, especially during the summer. There are always new movies coming out, 
and uh, you got an opportunity to see a lot of these movies in the theaters. And it was relatively cheap to go to the movies. It wasn't so expensive like it is today. So it really worked. You could just go catch a film, and it was fun. Yeah. Um, so there's something to be said for that, you know, for that time period as being an interesting time where you were kind of going through this this evolutionary step of just fun movies that people really wanted to see in the theater. Yeah, um, yeah. With, with the audience and then Walt Disney was seeing what direction he can go in. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just a really, really great time for Walt Disney to explore, and for all the audience that loved movies. I mean, these, like we said, these movies are still talked about. And, and that's the amazing thing to me. You know, you, you look at it. I, I just pulled up a list of like movies from the 1970s, and I'm looking at the list, and I go, "Wow, I probably saw all of these." You know, yeah. it's just it's an amazing thing how how many of them I wound up seeing, and I, you know, and I remember many of them. I don't remember all of them, but I, you know, I, you look at it and you go, "Oh, I remember that scene, maybe." Yeah, like Robin Hood and Herbie Wrights again. Yep. Oh yeah. Exactly. Or No Deposit, No Return. You right. Know, just stuff right. like that. It was just you know Don Knotts being Don Knotts. You know? Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. Yeah. It was it was great. Um, yeah. Some good stuff that, that showed up in there. But by the 1980s, things had changed again. Um, yep. Disney was trying to find a new way. And uh, in the early 1980s, kind of heading out of the 1970s and into the early 1980s, Disney tried some forays into some films that maybe didn't work as well, um, like The Black Hole. Um, great concept, great cast, good you know storyline but they couldn't execute it they were trying to do something in space and you know trying to still make it disney oriented and it kind of missed yeah Um, something didn't quite click yep so it kind of kind of had a weird mix of things that happened there um you know it was it wasn't horrible and i remember watching it and i thought okay that was pretty good you know we were looking for more sci-fi you know that sort of kind of fitting in there but it just didn't quite do what you wanted it to do um but then in the meantime by the time the late 1980s came, Disney found its niche. And that niche was quite simply the animated films that just got a new generation thinking about Disney in a, in a different light. And the Little Mermaid. The Little Mermaid was the first one out of the box. And that's the one where it's just like, yep. wow, they got it going there. Um, yep. That's, that's when the really golden eras of the animated movies came up. Oh, and I have to mention, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, that was a, that was another classic film that you know Disney did something really different there, where they came up with a concept for something that was like it was different because they had to use some animation, they had to use some um, right. some digital effects to make the people smaller, and some sets that were yeah. different. Um, and it, it wasn't too serious. It was funny. It was silly. People loved it. And then and then I remember t- going into the nineties, they they made um, uh, Honey, I Blew Up the Kids, <laughs> and 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 different you know movies about that. And I think that's so wonderful that they did. I thought so too. I mean, that was those were some of the, some of the fun movies that they were making, and at the time, you know, it was it was fun to be around. You know, the Disney company um, by then, uh, the Disney MGM Studios had opened, and you had yeah. a look into how Disney was making some of these films. Yeah. So that you know, they took us behind the scenes in the animation studio. You could watch them animating some of the new new upcoming films, and you could go to some of the uh, sets that they were working on, where they were filming some scenes from some movies. They didn't do a lot of movie work there, but you got to see a few scenes from movies anyway. They yeah. were kind of interesting so honey i blew up the, the audience i remember i'm um, honey yeah. i blew oh, up the yeah. kids they remember seeing that and then they did the honey i blew up the audience as, as an epcot show um but i remember seeing that and they were filming some of the scenes there and i thought that was the coolest thing ever i was like this is great um, oh yeah because we got to see behind the scenes they pulled it you know peeled back a little bit and yeah see they it. did yeah and people really got to experience that as a family too so 
Yeah, so you got to you got to experience what you know what the Disney movie making magic was right, all about. The you know. was. And and they were on this this great streak. I mean, between Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin, right. and then The Lion King, there was you know there was a streak of four great films that came right, out there right. in that nineteen eighty eight to ninety three era time there. Yeah. That just they were all winners, and uh, they stayed winners for you know fifteen or so years. You know, before they came up with the next generation of things that they wanted to do. Yeah, I mean, good. Going into the 90s, we have The Rocketeer, Beauty and the Beast, um, The Mighty Ducks, I Have Both Kids, Aladdin, The Muppet Christmas Carol, all these great movies that still are being sold and people are talking about today because they were so great. Yes. Yeah, they were. And that that was amazing, you know, what they were doing at that point in time. And, you know, I was just just remembering, there's there's a movie in here that's kind of underrated in that, in that, um, theme of uh, animated films, and that's The Hunchback right. of Notre Dame. Right, absolutely. That I actually, movie is... I thought that was one of the best films that they did. It, it really didn't get the credit the credit that it was due, I don't think. Yeah. And I'm not sure why exactly, but whatever. Um, I thought it was and really then, quite well done. Um, and then they made uh, the show about it in MGM Studios, The Hunchback of Notre Dame show. Oh, that show was phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I loved that show. It was just... It, yeah. There was so much happening on the stage and so many people involved. It was just incredible. Um, and and looking at it, you think it's just a musical, but but there would be groups of kids that would um, be like from Make a Wish, and they that would come to see the show and meet the cast afterwards. And people didn't didn't know that Quasimodo was the only character in Disney that had a birth deformity, and these kids were would be so upset and crying over it and. And getting so inspired that this guy has a birth defect, but he's the hero. Mm-hmm. And they would get so inspired by that and find meaning, and that would be such a great thing. That you know, like we said, a lot of the Disney princesses and princes were also also perfect and polished. And then when you have this guy that comes out that has a hump in his back, that people try to you know people connect to him more. Yes, that's that's a great point. You know, that's yeah. People, no, no studio had ever taken that on. It was always, right, yeah. it was always about certain characters that they would have as their lead characters. Um, you know, and you, if you think about Disney movies too, you know, some one of the thing about some of the animated films is they had some unusual heroes or heroines in some cases. Oh yeah. You know, you have Mulan that was a story about a, a Chinese princess. Um, yeah. You had uh, Belle, who was this, you know, independent thinker, who read books. Oh. My goodness, you know. Yeah, Aladdin, who was a street rat that stole things. Right. Yeah, these were interesting characters that no one had ever really dealt with before because it was always, you know, one type of character that you'd have as the hero and then somebody right. else was the villain. And uh, so this is really interesting to see Disney taking a different bet. And I think that's why a lot of these movies had success um, because they did something different. They took a risk. Yeah, because um, yeah, they were more relatable because no, no one, you know, no one relates to like one of these princes and says, oh, that's me. People... People find human qualities in these, you know, "quote unquote" misfit people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's a great point, actually, because uh, yeah. that's that's exactly what what happened there. Yeah, and then you have the goofy movie Pocahontas, mm-hmm. and then one of the best movies ever, Toy Story. Toy Story. And before we get to Toy Story, I just wanted to mention one other thing about a couple of things right at the end of the nineteen yeah. or in the middle of the nineteen nineties. You mentioned the Mighty Ducks, and mm-hmm. also there was the movie Angels in the Outfield. Yes. And both yes, of those yes. had a really interesting um, tie to Disney because Disney decided at that point in time when those movies were coming out that they wanted to promote their own branded product, and they actually purchased the Anaheim Angels and the uh, 
um, they got the uh, Anaheim Mighty Ducks as their as their team. It was an expansion team, and they owned both of those teams at some period of time. And so these movies were sort of like showpieces around their teams. And it was one of those interesting things that they did an interesting tie-in, but both movies were quite good, um, very entertaining. So I find that you know I found that kind of interesting because Disney made a different choice in those cases to uh, to to do that. Um, and by the way, who can forget Cool Runnings is another another fun Disney film. Who can film. forget that? Yeah, exactly. The Jamaican bobsled team. Good stuff. <laughs> My favorite team. <laughs> exactly of all time. Of course. And now we can move on and talk about uh, Pixar films. Toy Story. Yeah, Disney. Disney had a winner there. They they went to um to Steve Jobs and talked to him about this this company that he was doing uh, creating some um, more modeled animations rather than and it was all done on the computer rather than hand drawings. And they went to him and said, Hey, could we partner up on some films? Uh, yeah. We'll distribute them for you. You you develop them. And Toy Story was just a remarkable thing. I, it just it blew me away the first time I saw it. I was oh, so. Yeah. Because it was so new, the animation was so new, and just the story and how like people can overcome differences and and have that friendship at the end. They really hit a home run with Toy Story, and I mean, Toy Story is still huge. Mm-hmm. It was just it was so well done and well thought out. You know, right. the toys come to life when when you leave the room, and I was like, wow, what a great idea for a story, and how clever that is yeah. that they were able to come up with that. Yeah, um, you know, and. It, it, the, the the history between Disney and Pixar is also interesting with the way they kind of had their relationship because Disney had said, "Hey, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna produce X number of films. I don't remember what the number was. I think it was like six or something, and uh, we'll produce these together." And then they came back and they said, "Hey, by the way, our contract calls for sequels, and they don't count against the six you owe us those." And so yeah. <laughs> Pixar had to create the uh, the second um, second Toy Story movie, kind of uh, you know out of spite there, um, but it worked out well. It was another you know another well done movie, um, kind of keeping the theme alive. Um, yeah. But Pixar really did some amazing films there for Disney, and oh, they yeah. continue to. Uh, yeah, there's never been a bad Pixar film. No, I agree with you. Now, something I want to caution people about is Disney started creating... They, so they, when they purchased Pixar, um, Disney now owns it, they got it under, under house, but they also have their own production company that's not Pixar that does similar types of animations that are, uh, that are not Pixar films. And those tend to be a little bit weaker. Uh, but they look similar in their style. So, for example, the movie Planes is not a Pixar film. It's actually a Disney film. Which And there's a subtle distinction, but if you watch the movie, it's not as good as like Cars was. Um, it doesn't right. have that same level of storytelling. So you, know, you have to kind of differentiate it and make sure it has that Pixar logo in it because the Pixar films are all good, every one of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's just one of those things you, know, you kind of have to keep an eye out for because uh, I noticed that and I was like, wait a minute, I think I got suckered on this one. That's not a Pixar film. <laughs> but uh, it's, I mean, it's really good. And those, those movies that they, they put out, the, the, rest of the, toy, you know, the rest of the movies in the Toy Story series, yep. The Incredibles, um, right down the line to uh, um, Cars, Cars Ratatouille. Right? Rat, oh, Ratatouille, another, another great film that yep. they, that they yep. put out. You know, telling a story in a way that's just, you know, just so different. Yeah, um, and uh, you know just the animation that goes along with it, and the things that go into it. Monsters, you know, yeah. the amount of fur they had to they had to uh, code on Sully to make him move the way he did was just yeah. amazing. So oh, every yeah. hair was an individual movement, so it was more yeah. natural looking. And those, you know, those movies could be a hit or miss with a lot of audiences, but it's it's amazing that they hit every time. Yeah, yeah, and and they really did every every single time they were hitting on them. It was just like wow, how did they get another movie that was a hit? Yeah. 
you know, and I look forward to the Pixar movies coming out. They're always fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's just you know because you, you look at it and you go, this is going to be another great film. <laughs> oh yeah. And then more recently, Disney has you know moved into continuing to to try to mix some animations, some of these um, different types of computer animations. You know, there's still some hand drawn or relatively hand drawn right. animations. Uh, there's the computer animations, and they're still trying to create some live action films as well. And the live action films, for the most part, in the last few years, have just been okay from Disney. Yeah. I haven't had any that I've had said, "Oh, that was such a great film." Yeah. Um, and what I fear right now is they're trying to go back and create all of these old film, all these old like movies, the ones that were animated films, and turn them into live action films like Beauty and the Beast. And oh. I, I have mixed feelings about that. Um, right. I, I love Beauty and the Beast. It's one of my it's one of my all time favorite films. There's just something about the music, right. the setting, the whole thing that just works for me. Right. And um, you know, trying to recreate that magic, I'm not sure. It might yeah. be okay, but it won't be the same. Yeah, it's never going to be the same because we all have that image of what it was for mm-hmm. us and what gave us that sense of magic. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I, you know, I look at it and I go, you know, I can hear Paige O'Hara's voice in my head being Belle, and I know what she looks like. And now they're telling yeah. me it's going to be uh, Emma Watson. Okay. I'm like. Great, you know, <laughs> not the same. Yeah. Um, so it's it's an interesting little twist there, you know, just to, to kind of see it that way. But we'll see. Maybe it'll turn out to be a, a you know yeah, good film. We don't know. Now the other thing Disney did along the way um, here in the like the early '90s on until today is they started um, some Disney Channel original films, and I think they're up oh, to yeah. some hundred number of them, 150 or so of them, and you know that's an interesting line of movies too because they were uh, st- distinctly made for TV. And they're, you know, for the most part, they're all charming and they're all fun. Um, I know my kids watch them a lot, so I've I've seen them all, I think. You know, they they just ran a marathon of them recently and we watched a lot of them. And they were all fun. Yeah. There were none that stood out to me as being, wow, that's a great film. You know, I would have, I would have paid, you know, five bucks to go see it. You know, I I remember watching those movies as a kid. Um, Luck of the Irish, the famous Chet Jackson movie that like, Mm -hmm. they had a certain feel of fun and happiness and they you know i i think disney knew releasing a movie on tv wouldn't win you know the next academy award mm-hmm. but you know they had fun with it yes i think you're right i think that's exactly what it came down to they were having fun with it you know i remember growing up in you know in the late 1970s and early 1980s they used to have the um after school specials that right. they would show on um like abc and whatever and they would just be a you know a short movie an hour hour and a half long it just wasn't, you know, sort of a, a tale of, you know, kids that were getting into trouble or, you know, have, living their life. Yeah. And they were told well enough, they were worth watching, but they weren't great. They were all throwaway. These movies right. that they, the Disney Channel did, much better. You know, same yeah. sort of tales, talking about kids' lives and whatever. Um, yeah. But, you know, much better done, and they're, they're memorable in a way. Um, and we, we have to talk about my favorite era. Okay. Which is the late 90s. Mm-hmm. Jungle to Jungle, George of the Jungle, The Parent Trap, Mulan, A Bug's Life, Mighty Joe Young, My Favorite Martian, Doug's First Movie, Inspector Gadget, all of these movies with the same kind of funny feel that weren't too too serious. Yeah. I I really think they knew with all those movies, like like Fantasia 2000, Toy Story 2, uh, my favorite Martian, Mr. Magoo. I mean, come on, those these movies were hysterical for us. They were they were great. Um, you know, yeah. they just did such a nice job of kind of tell, you know building a story and making it fun. 
Yeah. And, you know, you the, it, it had the traditional movie magic up. It has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yeah. You have your hero, you have your anti-hero or villain in some cases, and you have the story that kind of goes through there. And yeah. by making it fun, you know, it just kind of added to the, the mix of it. So, you know, seeing Matthew, Bro- Matthew Broderick as Inspector Gadget, it's fun. Yeah. You know, it was, yeah. it was really cool and clever. Yeah. It was, fu- it was funny. It was silly. It was witty. It had a nice message. You know, it, it, it was sweet. It wasn't... I think Disney knew that, you know, Inspector Gadget is not going to be the next, you know, Academy Award film. But let's have fun and let's try to tell a good story. That's what I always admired about Walt Disney's company is they don't care what they get. They just really want to tell a good story and have the audience like it. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, that's 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 the incredible part. You know, Disney may have had its challenges with its leadership, you know, between like when Walt died and the time that Michael Eisner took over. But the stories themselves that they were still telling in that time, they were still had the great storytelling methods. And they were still doing a good job of telling those stories. And it's always been that way. And Disney has found different ways to, you know, have a distribution company, have a production company, have their own yeah. uh, movie companies and their own studios. And they've done it different ways over the years, but they, they, they find a way. It just always works. You know, you think about it and you go, during the 1980s, there was all these touchstone films that came out. And most of yeah. those were really good, too. You know, like Splash is my prime example there yep. you know really fun film told a different story the, the mermaid who becomes human and you know lives with Tom Hanks you know, yeah. so it's, yeah, it's it's the American dream exactly I mean you know I you know I was in high school at the time and I was like wow this is awesome I'd like that to happen to me um, but it was you know just kind of fun that uh, that they had these stories coming out and they were able to tell a story and Touchstone was able to take the more mature topics a little bit and work with them yeah where you know the rest of the Disney studio focused on the kids movies and it was kind of interesting to see Disney make that evolutionary step to think about more adult theming movies, um, yeah, you could throw any any kind of plot at Disney, and they'll find a way to make a good message out of it. Yeah, exactly. And they made it funny. You know, John Candy was great in that film, and the things he did just kind of made it made it work. Oh, yeah. um, so you know, those kinds of films just all fit together, and they they all worked out. Um, and I, I really appreciate what Disney did there at that at that period of time, where they were trying to be more mature. Yeah, I um, mean, I remember watching My Favorite Martian with Christopher Lloyd. Yes. And you know it, it was all it was all you know it was a message about friendship and uh, loving and and I mean I mean you look at the plot it's an alien from space that wants to blend in for a while right but it's it, it was just such a great message at the end of it mm-hmm. oh exactly um, you know and there was a there was a movie they made that everyone everyone remembers it was made in the uh, late nineteen eighties I guess it must have been eighty eight or eighty nine yeah um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And that film took a took a different bent on the world. It was you know it was kind of like the seamier side of animation in a way. Um, and they did some things that were just a little bit out there, but it worked so well, and they were able to blend in all these different things. Same kind of a thing where they made it fun, and they were you know they were telling a story. Uh, and you know if you really pay attention to the story, it's very clever. But there are some very yeah. subtle adult themes in that movie. Oh yeah. That um, that I think most kids probably missed on the first watching, but probably oh, yeah. got it much later. But clever idea, um, you know, to be able to create something like that that was just so different. It, it revolutionized another part of Disney movie making. Absolutely, and and I really want to tell tell the listeners out there, you know, get your favorite movie as a kid and watch it again. I mean, you might really see something new or learn something new or or see something you didn't see before. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I highly encourage that. I mean, I go back, like I said, I watched the Apple Dumpling Gang again, and I've, I've watched I watched the original Pete's Dragon. Yeah. Uh, unwatchable and terrible, but I remember seeing it as a kid and was like, wow, I, this was fun. 
Yeah. And, you know, it's like, wow, it just, you know, trying to make that a musical just didn't really work. If they'd have just told the story, it probably would have been okay. Yeah. But it was unwatchable as a musical. And I, yeah. I have no problem with musicals. Just that one it was kind of like... Uh, just that one was sure. off. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's kind of funny how that goes sometimes. And I was going to say, um, you know, Disney... Disney tries to tell the story that's appropriate for the period of time. The one of the movies that yeah. you know kind of disappeared from uh, our generation is Song of the South. Um, yeah. And the movie itself was very uplifting and told a pretty good story about Bear Bear and Bear Rabbit. The unfortunate part is that it had Uncle Remus in it, and yeah. um, because he had been, you know, uh, he was a he was a servant. Um, I, I guess you know he was a freed slave. I guess is the way the storyline went. Um, so he, you know, it politically incorrect in that sense so it's unfortunate that it works out like that because the movie itself is pretty good yeah and disney was never afraid to bring bring a topic in that was maybe a little risque or maybe a, a little you know yeah kind of on the edge there of, yeah 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 exactly kind of on the edge and kind of something that no one else has done before and take a risk mm-hmm. and they were able to do it most part yeah yeah, so you look at some of the some of the films and you think, wow, they really did make that happen. Yeah, um, they were able to bring you know bring the people together and make something that was kind of kind of different. Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. Um, but it's it's amazing that you know the, the you know just the long the long list of movies. So as I look back on it, I think to myself, you know, what are some what you know what are maybe my top three favorites? And I think about it and I go, wow, that's it's a tough one. I, I already mentioned Beauty and the Beast as being one of my favorites. I yep. think along the way I mentioned Twenty Thousand Leagues as one of my favorites. And I think I might have to go with, um, I think I might have to go with uh, well, one of the Pixar films. I, you know, I'm not sure if it's Toy Story or if it's really, um, if it's The Incredibles. I like the story The Incredibles told because it really did something different. So I think I would go with The Incredibles in that case as like my top three films that Disney has ever made. Yeah. And you also love the Hannah Montana movie. Well, of course I did. Gosh. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> How about you? You have a couple of favorites? Absolutely. My my favorites definitely would have to be My Favorite Martian with Christopher Lloyd. And, you know, that was that was a movie for me that was like, you know, a, 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 a nice story plus kind of silly. I remember going to see the Backlot Tour and seeing the ship from the movie out yes. there on yeah. display. That was the, the coolest thing ever. I love Toy Story. Absolutely love Toy Story. I remember coming home every day and putting... Putting, you know, for our older viewers, the VHS tape. What's that? Uh, <laughs> yeah, putting the VHS tape in and watching Toy Story just over and over again. It was it was so revolutionary the way they did it, and it was such a great story. But my number one has to be Inspector Gadget with Matthew Broderick. There you go. I had a feeling you were going to say that one. I knew you were a huge fan. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I'm a huge fan because because of I loved the gadgets in that movie. I loved all the things they did with it. I love how they took the cartoon and kind of brought it to life and expanded more in Inspector Gadget's character. I, I love going to see the Backlot Tour in MGM Studios and going to see the car. I thought when I was, you know, eight years old, nine years old, I thought that was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> how cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Being eight years old, seeing the movie, then going to see the car. I mean, I was like, wow. I'm living my life now, man. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I could die happy now. <laughs> Everything from here is just downhill. This is like the peak. And I've reached the peak, the pinnacle. <laughs> I've reached the pinnacle of life, and everything else is downhill. But you know, Inspector Gadget and My Favorite Martian, for me, those two movies in the 90s really set the silliness, that error, that happiness, that 
not too serious, but let's have fun kind of feel. And I really like that. They were ex- experimenting with different things, and those were great. I, I still love, you know, movies like The Rookie with Dennis Quaid. Sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah that was great. I love Monsters, Inc., of course. Who, who can't love, love with Fly- that? You, know. <laughs> you have to say Finding Nemo, one of the best Pixar movies. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like The Incredibles. There have been so many, so many really, really good movies. Cars is great. Oh yeah, another another w- really good one. Wally, I liked. I liked Wally. Wally was so different. It had such a different yeah. feel to it. But yes, yeah. and, and and the thing with Wally is that I loved is there was minimal dialogue, mm-hmm. and they were still able to tell a great story. Yes, without having with having without having people speak. Absolutely. And the story they told was sort of the dystopian society sort of story too, which made it kind of fun. Um, yeah, the things that happened and the reasons they had to leave Earth and couldn't go back, pretty pretty heavy stuff there if you think about yeah. it. Yeah, oh yeah, and we have to mention Up. Yeah, Up is Up is a great film. Yeah, um, Up is amazing. The only film that can make you cry within the first ten minutes. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember the first time I saw it, and I was like, "What are they doing to me? They're they're manipulating my emotions." Yeah. <laughs> but do you that. know, Disney has has, has such a great has a, such a great reputation reputation and it has such a great reputation that um now you know it's i, I want to i want to still see where they go with all the movies now with the star wars series they're gonna yeah. go yeah I did mean, you see the seventh i saw the seventh i loved it i enjoyed it thoroughly I loved it too i loved it. it was a great combination of everything and and how if you didn't see the movies you could still enjoy that one mm-hmm. and, and the one movie that i really liked that i saw uh, a while ago was um saving mr banks Oh yes, that's another good one. Kind of telling the story about uh, how Mary Poppins came into the uh, into the yeah. fold, and it's. it's I a thought little... that was such. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I thought that was such an interesting movie to have a, an actual movie based on the whole experience. Yes, that and was it, such a great movie with Tom Hanks as as um as Walt Disney. Yeah, Walt, yeah. And and they added that um, a lot of people don't know this, but Walt Disney was a heavy smoker. Yes. And when they would edit the, when they would take pictures of him, they would make sure they, they wouldn't get the cigarette in the shot because right. they felt like if people knew they would he would smoke, all the kids would want to start smoking. Right, and he didn't want that to be happening. Right, exactly. And that was that was one of the more interesting things. You know, I, I mentioned this once in a while, but it's the the two fingered point that Disney cast members do. Yes, it's nice that they're you know they're not trying to insult foreign guests, but it really was done because that's the way Walt Disney pointed when he had a cigarette in his hand. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it was sort of taking a page from his playbook. Um, yeah. <laughs> kind of an odd thing. But you're right. You know, there's just so many, you know, Disney has so many opportunities here to keep making great films and keep doing, telling more stories. And yeah, sometimes the stories are a little bit whimsical, like even Saving Mr. Banks sort of, you know, had a lot of, um, yeah, I, I guess I'd call it poetic license. Like yeah. They did told part of the story that's not quite accurate, but it's still pretty good. Did a nice yeah. job of telling the story anyway. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm okay with poetic license sometimes. It works. Um, and, cool. and, and I mean going I mean going forward I know they have um, movies in the works like Toy Story 4 which I'm very excited about seeing where they go with that I know they announced another Mary Poppins movie yeah I heard something about that and I was like whoa that's kind of funny I didn't expect to see that one that came out of nowhere <laughs> yeah and I, I mean I, I do like the idea of, of bringing these movies back but I think that if the movie is such a milestone on people you really don't want to mess with that no and that's the problem. You don't really want to. You don't want to mess with the the, the fine tradition, you know. Right. 
it's it's kind of my general sense of movies overall right now is that we're rehashing a lot of old things rather than creating new films. And yeah. you know, I want new stories to be told. I want to hear some new things. You know, so like I look forward to the new Star Wars movies because they're in a whole other. You know, they can tell new stories, or they can be similar yeah. to the old stories, but at least they're they're not revisiting the storyline. Um, I, I I really like that they're doing like a Wreck-It Ralph two because that was big for them. Yes. They're making a they're making another Mulan film. Yes, that's right. They're making the, Be- the Beauty and the Beast film. They're making another Pirates of the Caribbean. And the Pirates of the Caribbean series will never get old. I mean, that's such a fun movie. Yeah, it really is. It's The, the first one was terrific. The second one was yeah. pretty good. And then it kind of went downhill, but it's still entertaining. Oh, yeah. You know, it's still fun to watch Johnny Depp playing, you know, Captain Jack Sparrow and doing yeah. all the silly things he does. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Become the caricature there. <laughs> and I have to say to our audience, I'm, I can't wait for this movie to come out. They are remaking Tower of Terror. Yes, um, I, I want to know what I want to know what's going to happen with that. I want to see what they're yeah. going to do with it. I love the original cheesy Disney movie. Mm-hmm. I, I, I thought that was great. I, it scared the hell out of me when I was younger. Sure. And you know, it's it's funny because it was a, there was a period in there when they tried to recreate when they were doing the the um, Pirates of the Caribbean movie, the first one. They also created a haunt, haunted mansion movie that starred Eddie Murphy, and I've yeah. seen it. And I thought it was pretty good. I thought it did a nice job of kind of capturing all of the sort of the magic of the Haunted Mansion. Yeah. But it wasn't really a very good story. I mean, you know, it sort of captured it, but it didn't tell it. So I hear they're going to try it again. And they're going to, you know, try another one. And I'm like, well, we'll see. You know, maybe they'll get it right this time. Maybe. I don't don't remember that movie much, but I do remember kind of liking it. And I, I, I remember that movie was basically just going, like, just going on the ride. I mean... Eddie Murphy's a Eddie Murphy's a very very good actor. He's mm-hmm. extremely funny, but you know, you know, there's something about Disney movies that even if they miss a little bit, people still remember them. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, it was a throwaway film for the most part, but it was totally memorable. Oh yeah, yeah just just seeing him, you know, doing his pantomiming silly shtick, you know, and you yep, know, yep, dealing with Madame Leota and the other stuff he had to do. It's kind of funny. It's good yeah. stuff. Oh man, now I want to go out and see some more films. I got to, you know, I got to get my Netflix queue set up and, you know, get some more films going here because now I'm thinking about all these films. You know, go back and watch uh, Johnny Tremaine and the Sons of Liberty, you know, stuff like that. It's fun. It's only time till Disney owns Netflix. Yeah, exactly. Or something. You know, one of these services they'll wind up owning, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I have no doubt. You know, there's all these, all these, these rumors about things they want to buy. So you never know. It's only a matter of time. And then then we'll be able to watch them all. Absolutely. Yeah, and oh, I, I did want to point out to people, for those of you who, who really aren't familiar with the whole Disney history, Gary was talking about you know VHS tapes and how you would have to play those. There was a period of time when Disney would only release a movie on a 10-year cycle. So the yeah. movies that were, you know, by the time the 1970s came around, you couldn't get a copy of, say, Cinderella. You had to wait until they cycled around to it in about 1983 or so when they first released a VHS of it, 86 maybe, something like that. And then they put it back in the vault and they didn't release it again until like 96. <laughs> yeah. And then they released it on DVD, and then it disappeared again. And it was like, wow, this is, you know, it's crazy how they, they kept the, um, sort of kept the inventory low on purpose to make you want the movie. Yeah. And then, and then, when, the, and then when the movie came around that people could buy, people went, and people flocked, and people made sure they got it. Yes. It was remarkable, just the way they, they would play that. And uh, yeah. Disney took advantage of it. And, you know, more power to them, because that was a time when, you know, Disney was, was king. You know, the theme parks were awesome. Still, you know, totally family friendly, and you know, you had all these different things that were there, uh, and these movies just kind of, you know, sold the same experience to a large degree because it was just fun stuff, and they were telling yeah. the stories. 
and they were so intertwined, you know, together. You know, you think about it, you know, there's Cinderella's castle or there's Snow White's castle in Disneyland. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you, you really got it. Now, you, you, you know it's Cinderella's castle, but you don't think about it as being Cinderella's castle because it right. sort of lost that luster to a point um, just outwardly. You know, when you think about it, it's like, oh, is that Cinderella's castle? Okay. It could be. Maybe it could be the new Frozen castle. Oh, that could be too. <laughs> I know at one point they had Elsa up there and she was freezing it and they, they did some icicles on it and stuff and it was clever. But, yeah. Uh, it's like, wait a minute. But I'm happen? really excited to see what the direction that Disney goes. Me too. Um, I loved when Frozen came out. I thought that was just such a clever story. It was so surprising in so many ways. And, and it's it's it was such a different. It's they, they've never done anything like that before. No, no, it was incredible that way because it was and just that's so why different. People, like clicked and connected with it. Mm-hmm. You know, you had you had the hero who wasn't really a hero. He was a villain. Yeah. And then you had the guy who was just the, you know, the, the, the average guy who ended up being not even the hero. He was just there as sort of a part of the storyline. Um, Kristoff. It was just really clever the way they did all this stuff. And it was, wow, this is, this is very cool. And, uh, yeah, just very, very well thought out. And I, you know, was very happy to see that from a Disney movie. I was, I was just totally yeah. blown away. Well, there you go. That's, uh, that's kind of a look, a loving look back at uh, Disney movies and what's coming, and we look forward to the future and what, Disney, what movies will be coming later. Absolutely. I can't wait to see the, the new direction. No, me too, and just keep seeing you know, them churn out some good stuff. I'll, I'll keep watching. Yeah. <laughs> no question about that. Well, Gary, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's always, always, always great to talk to you. Oh, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Thanks for thanks for talking Disney movies. It's great stuff. Of course. <laughs> All right, folks, and remember, if we can dream it, we can do it. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View podcast. We hope you had a pleasant stay and arrive home safely. Please remain seated until your ride vehicle stops completely. Then. Gather your personal belongings and step out onto the moving platform. And yes, I know it went by so quickly, but don't worry. One of the nice things about traveling on this podcast is that the journey is just beginning. Show notes are available on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. While there, please check out some of our affiliates. You'll also find links to Dave's iPhone and iPad apps. There's an app for pin trading, one for finding hidden Mickeys, and an app for finding and tracking pressed pennies around the Walt Disney World Resort. And you never know just what Dave is working on next. If you have questions, feel free to drop Dave an email at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Original music you're hearing in this podcast is Oslo Doom by Gilberto Gil. Of course, this is a fan podcast and in no way affiliated with the Walt Disney Company. 